Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. And we just watched Misery. Misery. Missouri. Missouri. (laughs) I don't know why that delighted me. How does the song go? (laughs) Frustrated Incorporated. Wait, what? Oh, misery business. Yeah, the solo song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was terribly out of tune. I apologize, everyone. Mm, Don't apologize. Rob Reiner and Stephen King want to be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas and a safe and sane holiday season. Never apologize to these animals. No, Um, I mean, no. (laughs) Listen, listen. I'm really apologizing to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh... I just want to I just want to say before we start, happy birthday to Alexis. Woo! Happy birthday Alexis. Alexis. Uh uh I I assume it, there's no from in this card. Uh we we were instructed <laughs> to universe. say happy birthday to Alexis from us. You know what? This is from us. No sort one else. Of. No one else. Yeah. We're the we're the shortstops uh, of this gift. Yeah, this is your gift. Your gift is uh, us reviewing the movie Misery. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what that says about you Mm-mm. or the person I who don't understand. Uh, gave you this gift. Don't understand the significance. And you know what? I don't care to. It's fine. Yeah. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. I got to so, watch this. So happy birthday. We're going to talk about this 31-year-old film for you. Yeah. Well, I got to watch this with Hannah, who had never seen it before, and she was pretty delighted by it. Oh, yeah. Uh, she showed me Audition, so I was like, oh, this is a good, like... This is probably where Audition got a few ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, this is a Rob Reiner movie, which never, never fails to shock me. Well, you remember uh, Rob Reiner kind of got his start with Stand By Me, and his company is Castle Rock. Like, yeah, he no, sort it of, makes sense. He sort of kind of began his directing career, or not really began his directing career, but like solidified it by making Stephen King adaptations. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then, of course, Barry Sonnefeld, the DP. He's a DP, yeah. Yeah, the the credits really hit you mm-hmm. with a few surprises. Yeah. Um, I love how this is like, they did, like, the music is like happy 90s saxophone. Like, it has very 90s sensibilities, um, which is funny. I, I, it's one of those things I always forget about this movie, is the tone uh, is very much like the tone of a comedy in places. Um, um, I don't, I don't know that I agree. So let's, really? I mean, we'll get into all right, that. Well, well, first of all, you, I, I'm not going to ask you how you like misery. We like misery, right? Yeah. This misery. Is a good film. Yeah. Misery is, uh, uh, one of the best, uh, arguably the best Stephen King adaptation. It just depends on yeah. who you talk to and how you feel, but it's definitely up there. It's going to be, at yeah. the, it's going to be near the top of anyone's list of, of King adaptations for sure. Right. Well, what I wanted to get, get to with the comedy stuff is what I realized watching this movie is that um, the premise of the movie, like the book, mm-hmm. I bet I wouldn't like. This all rests on Kathy Bates, in my opinion. This entire, I mean, James Caan is great too. Oh yeah, no, but I. Uh, she is. She makes this movie. Yeah, hundred percent. And she won the Oscar for it. There's a. She sure did. I wrote a piece for Collider uh, on the rare occasion that I'm actually still allowed to write things. Mm-hmm. Um about that aspect of the film where this movie like i compared it to training day in the sense that you did yeah well yeah because (laughs) it's a movie that depends on 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 its cast and specifically on the strength of one performance in particular because like training day misery could have easily been 
kind of a forgettable, uh, yeah. uh, schlocky kind of, not, not schlocky, but like just a forgettable thriller. Right, because the premise of this movie is completely broken in my opinion by its uh, by the fact that it's a movie and what i mean by that is that halfway through he's like trying to escape and you're watching and you're like he's not gonna escape because the movie isn't over like it's one of those you know like anytime there's an escape movie that's one of the things that they kind of have to battle with where it's like you know if the tension is are they gonna escape and you're 45 minutes into the movie the answer is no. Well, I would argue that's not really the tension here. I mean, it's part of it, of course. Uh, that's wh- the, the tension is more, what is she going to do when she catches him? Yeah, yeah. But I, again, I think that rests on her, because they do these long sequences where mm-hmm. he gets out of the room and he's dragging himself around the kitchen, Yeah, and they do make the tension of, like, he, is he going to get out? And then, yeah, and then she shows up, and then the tension is, oh my god, he's got to get back. Um, but yeah, it, it's still, to me... It's what we're saying. It's that's fine, but without Kathy Bates, it really, I, it really would have been forgettable. She's like, it's a, Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter here, like you know, mm-hmm. like it's this is this is incredible. And the one part of what I think makes it work is that she she is kind of a comedy character, like she plays it at times like a comedic character. I'm sure there's a recut of the trailer to make this a comedy, right? That's got to be. Probably. One of those things people yeah. have done. Because she, and, the, and the, the specific brand of Unhinged she does is this, like, funny and vulnerable. Like, it, it's very, uh, it's very good. Yeah, no, she goes between uh, very earnest. Um, yeah. And then um, just terrifying. <laughs> it's just terrifying bouts of rage. And then also she'll like when she walks into the room and is just kind of like dead yeah oh uh, like she she really man <laughs> like and that's the idea is that you never are sure which version is coming into the room and you don't know what's gonna set her off yeah and, and they when do it get, the- and when she gets set off you don't know which version of 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 annie she's gonna get set off to mm-hmm uh, it's like living with somebody. Um, my, my my wife uh, grew up with somebody with, with uh, borderline personality disorder, and it's very similar to that. Where it's just it's fucking crapshoot. Uh, right. who, who's gonna come in the room? Yeah. Oh yeah. And like the way they make her get like worked up over things. Yeah. Like at first the swearing in his book. Um. And and like later when she's talking about the uh the fucking the what is it the rocket car in the movie yeah the cheat yeah but she's talking about she saw um a serial um where they 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 cheat their way through it by like the the one episode ends with the hero locked in a car and flying off the cliff and she's like oh i had you know i waited a week to see the next episode and i got in there and they just showed us like a different shot of him jumping out of the car before it went over the cliff and she's like that's fucking bullshit I and she's right her, by the way yeah, yeah. she's 100 percent right <laughs> And there's there's that undercurrent where she actually helps Paul become a better writer, although they kind of edit it out of the movie. It's 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 stronger in the book. Yeah, um, I see why I see why they didn't do that. I mean, um, the like because I don't I don't know. I can see them not want, wanting to avoid the idea of she helped him in any way. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, watching this with Hannah, she was pointing out that Stockholm syndrome is very much like. Like, like her her theory is that it's kind of a myth, and it's just that people want to get the fuck away. Uh, and so, like, this is what James Caan does, basically, is he just feeds into her delusions mm-hmm. for the whole movie. And I almost feel like it would be cheap to make any of it rub off on him, you know? Well, that depends. Um, the, the, the theme of the book, I mean, obviously, Stephen King wrote the book. Uh, in part, he's talked about... Um, it's his relationship with his fans uh, and how right. he, there's this feeling that he sort of has to or is expected to keep writing a certain kind of story. Um, and uh, so it, it the part of the theme of the book is that he sort of learns to accept part of that responsibility and, and uh, how it can make him better. Because in the book, Paul ends up writing 
the uh the new misery book and publishes it and it's like the one of the best things he's written and like because of scenes like the one we see in the movie where annie melts down over uh cheating uh your way through the plot you know yeah he writes a better uh, book. he writes a that better does, book because of it <laughs> yeah yeah it, that actually does feel where the movie's heading like his arc as a character doesn't feel complete for that reason where at the end he just writes like a writes stupid a different whatever book. book. Yeah, 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 yeah. It actually felt like yeah. he should have put he out the misery. He should have put out the misery book. Yeah, and and what he does, uh, we'll go over the plot in a second because we're hitting some points. But like the climax of the film where he burns the book, uh, he in right. the in the in in the story in the King novel he burns a copy of the book. Right. Like he burns a stack of blank papers that has like I think the title page and a couple of pages on it like so he only has to rewrite like the last chapter or something yeah but, I like, do he, like that he, a lot he knew that he wanted to save this novel right um but yeah they do a little of that where he's just yeah. like in a way i i owe her and it's like yeah but like it would have that would have made a lot more sense that's what, yeah had yeah had that been the book at the end yeah. is the new misery book it that really been. feels like what it's all building to mm-hmm. that's the theme um, that's like the theme of the book yeah um so yeah i don't know i i don't Again, i don't I, I don't know i i would argue and we'll get into the plot i would argue that this movie on like on its own because yeah what you just said is way better so i shouldn't say the book this movie on its own would have just been a an okay thriller had it not been for kathy bates exactly yeah they are so lucky they got her because mm-hmm. it's not in the it's not the lines like the lines are fine um but it's her. It's her. She's fucking. She's amazing. Every mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Incredible. She's very, very good. Yeah. If people haven't seen Misery, um, it's about a writer named James Kahn, mm-hmm. uh, who Jimmy uh, Kahn. is Jimmy Kahn, <laughs> who writes these misery books, which are just these like schlocky romantic they're, novels. They're, they're gothic romance novels. It's it's some yeah. some lady in like the nineteenth century, and you know it's they're they're yeah. You guys can picture them in your mind. Yeah, and like every stupid fucking writer, he's it's like Bridgerton. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he has like his own little dumb writer thing where he goes to a lodge and he has a cigarette and a and a a, a glass of uh, champagne. He's and very he, he's very superstitious, and I don't. It doesn't come. I can't remember the story that well. It it only comes into play in the in the movie a little bit. Yeah, but it's like a big this, part of his character dumb motherfucker doesn't do backups of his scripts nope because he's uh, an idiot or or his rather his books yeah 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 this this is one of those things that wouldn't exist anymore like you couldn't do this movie where he'd be like yeah it's it's i got a google doc of this like it's fine you can't burn anything but anyway he gets into a car accident after finishing his new novel he gets uh found by a nurse uh named annie who uh once fought vampires is that canon now? I mean, not in this film. Yeah, I know. But um, yeah, yeah, she she once uh, killed a man with an ice cream scoop. If you're a Castle Rock fan, yeah, yeah, Vampire Hunter Annie Wilkes uh, finds him, nurses him back to health. It's during a snowstorm, so there's no the roads are closed. There's no phones, and then it slowly becomes very clear that she is just keeping him there. Uh, she reads. His new book uh, is not that impressed with it. Um, I didn't mention that he is ending his Misery series by killing off the main character. She's his number one fan. She goes out and gets the new book. She is enraged that he kills off Misery. Uh, At this point, it's very clear that she's very unhinged. So she basically burns his new book and forces him to write another Misery book and keeps him hostage in her house. Uh, and he, you know, he's bedridden and as he slowly gets more and more like healed. Yeah. His, his legs are fucking demolished and his shoulder is demolished. Like yeah. it's, that's, that's important. Like he is, yeah. he is crippled, uh, by his injuries and it, he's got a long, long recovery ahead of him. So he's at the mercy of this nurse mm-hmm. who's an obsessive fan basically. And she's also, and then, well, well, I'll get into that in a second. Sorry. Continue. Oh, and then and so you you kind of wonder like what the hell is her end game, and mm. then she's like old murder suicide. Yep. It's like right, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that checks so out. So she does she does have a plan. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, she re re breaks his fucking ankles, uh, because again, also good plan because he's getting healthier, and it's like, what are you gonna do? Let him go? No, you got to break his ankles. You got to keep that James Con in your house. Keep that Jimmy Con uh, in the in the in the room. 
Yeah. And so uh, it's a series of him trying to get out or somewhat or like almost getting out. Not really. Um, there's a B plot, which is an old elderly sheriff and his wife who love to fuck. They love to fuck, right? Mm-hmm. They're the she fuck wants hounds. to get. She like wants to get it on in the car at one point. She's like rubbing his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a healthy old elderly couple. Yeah, they're just they're uh, just they're just papery fuckhounds. Yes, they really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conn has been declared dead. The sheriff is the only one who thinks like I don't know if he's dead. Um, it see like he he for, he sees that like someone cl- clearly like crowbarred the door open of his car Mm -hmm. uh he doesn't tell anyone it seems and he just uh goes about investigating it um i i do like his thread because you spend a lot of time with him and you think like okay i see how this is gonna go and then he's just shot he's just very unceremoniously killed yeah he shows up he shows up and and sees james con and then she immediately shoots him in the back right but it does create a situation where it gets us to the end game where she's like okay well i just shot a cop we're going to have to do the old MS, mm-hmm. old murder-suicide now, because I don't have, like, you know, someone's going to be looking for this cop. Uh, and then he tells her, okay, I, I love you. Uh, let's do this, but I want to finish the book. Just give me till morning. Uh, and he, he, he uses that time to basically set up a plan where he lights the book on fire uh and that distracts her long enough for him to slam her on the head with a goddamn typewriter mm-hmm. it's james con versus kathy bates the battle we didn't know we wanted but we did we did um he super kills her mm-hmm. takes a second uh yeah, it and take, then it takes a second it's, yeah it's yeah the, the, yeah, the, mo- it, the movie makes it like not only is is james con like uh it busted up and bedridden but the movie also makes it clear that annie is as strong as an ox yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they fucking fight yeah um she has a, a rich history of murdering babies mm-hmm. that makes you strong yeah um makes you powerful you gain all of the strength of all those babies and after a while yeah. that baby strength adds up right right right, right. like one baby that's nothing that's but it, like one baby get... strength but it's like a hundred babies now we're talking yeah absolutely um and then it, it ends with him back in the big city uh with his manager with his manager written, lauren uh, bacall Yes. Yep. <laughs> He's written a new novel and it's like award winning and it's not schlock anymore. And then a waitress comes up and he sees Annie as the waitress. Uh, and he recognizes like he's yeah he's riddled with PTSD yeah uh, and <laughs> yeah. and then the 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 waitress is like I'm your number one fan and it's like I would think like I would put out like a press release to be like no one would say that to me anymore. please nobody approach me and say that to me yeah yeah like it, it it's like the one person that as a fan you shouldn't have you should like I would avoid you know I w- I wouldn't go near him because it's like yeah the, yeah he been he went through some shit <laughs> he went through some shit at the hands of a fan um you know yeah so that's the basic plot of the movie um and like we've said kathy bates is just amazing in it uh it's the movie depends on her and it's uh, she's so so good in it um james Kahn, i think is one of the movie's biggest weaknesses and it's not because he's bad um he's he's james Kahn. you know he, he's he is a very natural charisma so he's he's believable in every role he's in like it's uh, he's 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 doing a perfectly fine job as paul it's just the problem is is that he he treats annie like a nuisance like he never he is never he never seems afraid of her that is a good observation because i was gonna say i really like him in this um I like he really sells the pain he's in. He's, yeah, he's he's great in those sequences where he's like getting out of the room and trying to get through the house, and like yeah. you really feel every time he bumps his foot, it's like agony for him. I um, okay. So I mean, so like not... I like I said, James Caan is a good actor, and he is doing a good performance in this movie. I just think he was miscast. Really? Okay. Because he's such a he's such a tough guy. Like he has got this tough guy persona. He's fucking Sonny Corleone. Uh, right. See, and so it, it, he, I always get the vibe that he is just biding his time until he can beat the shit out of her. I mean, that is the vibe. That I is get, what he's doing. That, yeah, but it's like but I don't think I, it's right for the movie. Uh, that's interesting. I actually liked him in it because you have this guy, a tough guy, a De Niro type, um, being put in this position that's, where they can't do shit. And yeah, that I is. Thought, a, I always that thought is the his point annoyance. of his casting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And I always thought his annoyance had to do with the fact that she needs him. He knows she's not going to kill him. He knows that she will fuck him up. Um, but I always thought that was the idea is that like when she's waving to him, calling him a pumpkin and then he flips her off mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, oh, you, you're such like, a kidder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the idea that like she's not going to kill him because she needs him to write the book. So he is he is like a rebellious prisoner. Um, yeah. I I understand that it doesn't sell the terror it doesn't sell the tension well. of the movie it's you 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 feel more outrage than fear yeah because you're feeling you're I, feeling the injustice of his imprisonment more than the fear of it and the the story is much more about paul living in fear of annie because she's so is, mercurial you don't know which how she's going to react to anything right this is going back to why it felt tonally very close to a comedy because he is not that scared of her Mm -mm. and then she has these scenes where she's being funny and so it's almost like a like like he's a cop and she's his partner you know a little bit Um, they have they have a little of that but i honestly i really like her being like borderline comedic because it makes her scarier it's not (laughs) like in a weird way yeah not an issue with her performance at all I know, but like her, yeah, her coupled with him, mm-hmm. it's like a weird dynamic. It's it, like is, a, yeah. it is like a comedic dynamic between them, which is interesting. Um, you're right, is that it really is, it really comes down to her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, no, I that's, do that's, like that's what James Conn is I, doing. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. I just, and that might be my bias for being such know, a I fan get, of the story as well. It's just, it seems like it's, it's undermining itself as a thriller by having James Conn be annoyed rather than yeah, scared. I get where you're coming from. That's that. I, I just hadn't thought about it is that if they played him a little more vulnerable, mm-hmm. a little more like a wussy writer, you know, and it's, uh, it, what's, what's interesting is they kept with that dynamic when they did a, a stage version of misery. They cast Laurie Metcalf as Annie and they cast Bruce Willis as Paul. So they were doing, the, they're doing the same idea where it's like, let's cast this guy who has this tough guy persona and let's have him be in a position where he can't actually physically defend himself. I want to see that. Yeah. Holy that probably, right. That probably would have been nuts. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, man, that is, yeah, that is, that is weird because it doesn't sound like it's part of the book, Mm-mm. but it became like a tradition through the movie. Because of the like, movie, yeah, we yeah. need a tough guy. Yeah, and yeah, it's, because they, it, it's almost like they're too focused on the fact that Paul is uh, can't like that his legs are fucked up and I, his arms fucked up. I like think. They, okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. There's another there's another premise there, which is tough guy action star is suddenly can't use. 70% of his body and has to get out of a situation. Mm-hmm. That's a compelling premise. It's not misery. Mm-mm. Like that's not the premise of this movie. Right. It's like a, it feels like a hat on a hat because yeah. You have the though the one layer of it's like, well, well, how do we explain how this uh, and there's, you know, there's there's some sexism mixed in here. That's it, but it's like so that you begin from a place of how do we explain how this a man can't physically overpower this woman and it's they do right. a couple of things they first are like well annie is really strong um she works on a farm all day you know she she lifts we see several times in the movie where she just lifts his ass up fucking easy as shit yeah yeah she carries him from the car <laughs> just busts the car open like she works on a farm she's you know she's um, got that survivalism mm-hmm. in her like she's got that pet pig too yeah, uh, yeah. big pig, pig. misery which pl- misery which uh, in the credits played itself and that surprised me because usually when animals are in movies they actually have their own names yeah and not the names they're cast so this was like this is just the pig was like yeah i'm, I'm playing myself so I'm misery the pig they had they explained that annie is very strong um then they also fucked paul up bad and he needed to be like he needed because yeah. that not only that more serves the the function of how come he can't just escape when she's not around yeah um so they, they have his legs are like pulverized and also his shoulder is like crushed so he's got one good arm basically right. um but then on top of i don't know it felt like they were really i don't know it's like it's like we already have enough of an explanation as to why he can't be 
escape. And then it seemed like the additional layer of casting a tough guy in that role uh, to really make it clear for the audience, I guess. I get the instinct. I get the idea of, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we got someone like this? Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, as a, yeah, the hardest part is, I mean, writers come in all shapes and sizes, but he just doesn't feel like a writer. James Caan? No. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and it's like, like I'm sure see, the idea that James Khan is sitting there writing these gothic romance stories. Well, okay, yes and no because you look at like you ever like I mean R.L. Stein's an example where you you read like teen novels or something and you look at who write it wrote it and it's like some forty year old dude. Yeah. So like there is something there where it's like yeah i can see a, a like a romance novelist looking like james con but it's also james con <laughs> right and it's not just, just that he looks him. like james con it is literally james con yeah. in this yeah. movie <laughs> yeah there's just something a little silly <laughs> but that's sunny that corleone writing these romance these romance fantasy books like that's yeah that's like what he's secretly into yeah I, it's hard oh, because man. yeah it, it's very much like we know it's it's the thing where you cast anybody famous to play a role. It, it you have to you have to do it just right. Like James Caan, I don't think about as a tough guy nearly as much as a Bruce Willis or even a Robert De Niro. Yeah, it's and it's that's more just the, because of my the, relationship with him, like yeah. growing up and stuff. Like this might have been the first thing I saw him in, um, honestly, as a kid. I think it's and more so, the the era too, like for people yeah. for you know this movie came out in 1990 so if like if you were i don't know in your 30s in 1990 you you would probably have more of a uh, an association uh of james con with being a tough guy right yeah um it's funny we're talking about the casting so much because it really is that's all this movie is it's two actors uh doing like the the scenes that are the most compelling aren't the ones where he's trying to escape it's just the scenes between them right Mm -hmm. yeah uh that's that's what this movie is it's the heart of the movie um did you notice this was something i didn't notice until now and i don't know if i don't know if i'm out of my mind did this movie remind you of psycho maybe a little it has psycho vibes to me and i think it's because of some of the broad strokes it's it's um a character goes missing while mm-hmm. driving. Um, and then you have the thread of people trying to find that person. Um, we, we don't, it's not a mystery what happened to that person. And then you have this character who's like kind of still a child in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. And trying who's, to maintain a, an appearance. Exactly. Trying to cover it up and hide it. And so you're following these two threads and then they kind of, at the end they they merge and all you know mask off moment um the difference being that you know uh norman bates killed that woman and uh the 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 people you know you know the differences um but it 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 very much gives me and it's also like one location too like it's i don't know if because i don't think stephen king was thinking about psycho when he wrote the book Mm mm-hmm but it gave me like hardcore psycho vibes. Yeah, there's definitely uh, an element there for sure. And both movies, I would say, are almost completely hinged on a single performance mm-hmm. uh, that fucking nails it. Mm-hmm. And that performance is most scary in the scenes where they're just talking. Like it, like it's the slow burn stuff. It's it's the scene with Anthony Perkins talking about fucking stuffed stuffed animals stuffed and his birds. mother yeah and his yeah. mom yeah and then that's and like that yeah it's yeah it's similar there we only really get one scene of annie being outwardly violent when she demolishes his ankles and it's right. similar with norman bates where uh yeah we, we don't really see it it's not it's not built on physical threats of violence so much as just yeah the quiet moments of the performance where you're just like oh okay this is uh i'm in trouble uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all about these yeah these terrifying little subtle performances. Uh, um, something we should call out: the screenplay was written by William Goldman. Oh, what else has he written? Princess Bride, a bunch. Yeah, good for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, Butch Cassidy, <laughs> Butch Cassidy. I think good, all the president's men. Like he's you know yeah, he's written, yeah, yeah. written a few, written a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing good. He's doing, doing good right. for himself. Yeah. Did he also write Dreamcatcher? No, I think that was. Um, I know that's somebody. That was uh, Kasdan, wasn't it? Was it? I think it was Lawrence um, Kasdan. 
Okay. We don't have to. We don't have to I do mean, this. Uh, but like, so anyway. <laughs> Hold on. I'm, I'm checking. Though. Well, I'm, I'm no, gonna... William Goldman. It's was William, William Goldman. Goldman. Oh, okay. I thought it was Kasdan. And Lawrence Kasdan. Oh, it's okay. both of them. Both of those motherfuckers. They, All they right. teamed up to make a horrible they movie. They teamed up to make one of the worst <laughs> Stephen King adaptations. That's amazing. Look, they've earned it. Mm-hmm. They've earned it. Yeah. He also did Marathon Man. Damn. Damn. What a great career. Mm-hmm. Um fuck yeah he 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 did chaplin he did maverick i mean speaking of marathon man dustin hoffman was one of the roles they they one of the actors they offered paul sheldon to that makes way more sense it's like look listen to some of these they they offered it to william hurt twice apparently wow william hurt would have made a lot of sense kevin klein yeah kevin klein kevin klein yep Yep. uh so it's michael douglas michael douglas is more of a james con type yeah, but I can see that. Michael Harrison Douglas Ford. Feels- Harrison Ford. Oh, oh they really no. went. They really went across the board. Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, De Niro. Yeah, I wouldn't give it to De Niro. And I'd Pacino. Say- oh, no. Don't do that. Richard, Don't do that. Richard Dreyfuss. Okay. Gene okay. Hackman. Gene Hackman's pretty close ah. to James Caan. Oh, Gene Hackman, that wouldn't work. No, he'd be he'd be even more irritated with Annie. He'd, the it'd be, whole he'd movie. be terrifying. Right. He, he would, would be, be scaring Annie. Annie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Robert Redford. Okay. I would say I would give it to um uh Harrison Ford can really sell pain. And he's got that thing where he's tough guy, but he also ca- he's also like the type of tough guy who gets his ass kicked a lot. Like he doesn't strike like Indiana Jones doesn't strike me as like a formidable person right he as kinda, much as like a slippery guy right he's he's kind of clownish like he stumbles into situations gets his ass beat most of the time and kind of scrambles out by the seat of his pants yeah he cheats he yeah. shot a man with a sword yeah, yeah fuck he, that guy i'm yeah. not gonna fight him so i think he works also just he's very good at selling pain um um shit what was one of the other ones you kevin klein i don't think works i, I think know. it's too far the other way i'd like to see kevin klein i think i think william hurt was a really good instinct yeah i don't like william hurt oh I don't, you don't? I don't know oh i think he's great I, I, I don't like his face he looks like he smelled a fart mm-hmm. he like, does no, he does I mean, look like that he's made some great movies he's Old a perfectly nice and good hurt, actor as he's known yeah i just don't like his little fart face <laughs> his little fart face <laughs> Um, this little, dumb little fart uh, apparently the closest before james Kahn eventually got it was warren Beatty. oh no and warren. he eventually he eventually had to drop out to make dick tracy oh that's fair because dick you know, tracy you gotta make dick, dick tracy. tracy ran over schedule yeah yeah you gotta make so dick you tracy. gotta make dick tracy that film needs to exist yeah man both um. dick tracy and misery came out the same year <laughs> Oh, what a great year. This movie came out the second the same week as fucking Home Alone. That's amazing. Uh, it still does have those 90s sensibilities though, right? Well, like there's I mean, little things like the saxophone credits music mm-hmm. to like this like terrifying text saying misery, which is very funny to me. Um like it, it, it what I I guess what I'm getting at is like the same way it's you watch text. a Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like red. Mm-hmm. Um it's the same way you watch a horror movie in the 2000s and yep. then they end it with some new metal song, you know, where it's like, that's just how we did things. At uh, the time. Can you imagine fucking misery starts? Oh, it would. It would if it was made in 2003. <laughs> that's the thing. It's it's a movie of its time is what I'm getting at. It's not a timeless film. I no, it's think. not. I would argue a little bit against it having 90s sensibilities, though, because this movie would have been this. It's more 80s. Maybe this, is, 80s, this is more yeah. late 80s because, you know, it came out in 90. So it was filmed in 89. 89 right, 90. right, right, right. But uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is very much of its time. A lot of it depends on being in an era before cell phones and before the Internet. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's. What are you going to do? Uh, They weren't invented yet. They they didn't didn't fucking exist yet. What do you want? Again, again, he should have made a backup in the eighties. He could have made a digital backup of his book, though. Uh, He could have. He could have. I mean, I yeah. You could put that shit on a floppy disk. Home computers existed at this time. Yeah. No, that's dumb of him. Like that idea. I don't know. I we're both writers. Like. To me, I, I have the complete and opposite instinct when it comes to any writing, which is I'm making a million copies I have 4,000 copies of everything across, like, you know, as yeah. many different 
locations. Like it's yeah. like a OneDrive and Google Drive and this this backup and that backup and hard copies. And it's just like, Jesus. All right. This is one of those things. I don't know. Stephen King wrote this. He is a writer. But I feel like it's the same where when you watch like how a movie is made in a movie or like a movie that takes place in on a movie set where you're like, they're not doing it right. And they make movies, so they know they're not doing it right. The idea that writers have like this romantic um, relationship with writing, where it's like I'm going to smoke one cigarette and stuff like that, like I just don't believe that. Well, I never believe. That. I've never met a writer who was put together enough to have like traditions and like had this really like that that Hemingway view of like writing, where it's like no, it's just panic. It's just anxiety and panic. Yeah, that's and most, then the things done. That's most people. Stephen King is not most people. I know, like Stephen, but I, Stephen I don't King believe that Stephen of, King is kind of had, the outlier. Does. I mean, he talks I, about it a lot. He wrote on a typewriter for the longest time. Fucking hipster. I mean, he's uh, he's. I mean, well, he started in the fucking sixties. <laughs> so what? I'm gonna call him a hipster. So he just um, stuck with the same typewriter for years and years. And yeah, years. yeah. Um, that's that's. You know, I don't know. It's. Uh, <laughs> Who can say? Yeah, I just think... It, but, like, the, but the typewriter becomes thematically important. Yeah, I just think the mystification of writers came from writers, right? Yeah! Like, it's just writers lying yes. about how they write. Yeah, it's, it's fucking... It's, it's Game of Thrones ending with Tyrion going like, the real heroes are the, they're the writers. Yeah, The exactly. storytellers. Like, shut the fuck up. It's like, oh, you motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. And we're all sweating. Pounding yeah. caffeine, eating mountains of candy, struggling yeah. to meet a deadline. That's what yeah, writing is. Physically falling apart. Writing is uh, debilitating stress and panic. That's what writing mm-hmm. is. Yeah. It's the movie misery. It's the movie misery, yeah. <laughs> Just not the part where he's writing. It's, 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 it's misery is the, it's the literal uh, representation of, of the experience of writing. It's Was there a <laughs> feeling theory, tr- by the chained way? to a typewriter. Yeah. Was there a theory, by the way, because you started, you said this was about Stephen King's relationship to his fans. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say this is about his relationship with cocaine, his number one fan. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it feels more like that. It feels like someone's relationship with writing in general. And I guess that's the idea is that the Annie is represents the expectations of the fans, mm-hmm. the, the, the anxiety of that, of, of trying to make this thing. And imagining yeah. your fans screaming at you. Can I do something different? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is no, Stephen King. I mean... Every time you do something different, you make some crap like Shawshank Redemption. No uh, one likes that. That's true. Yeah. It's a real terrible movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah I, so going back to the casting, I'm not sure how to fix it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I get what, what they, if they I cast what, it wrong and it didn't work. What yeah. if the movie never got made? Yeah. Um, I just think uh, you know. It's I just I I I recognize the intent behind casting James Con and James Con is you're always going to get a quality performance out of him because he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, I just think he's miscast in this movie. I think I think his casting hurts the movies. Uh, uh, hurts the movie's uh, in, well, not intent, ability to be a thriller. It's not going back to Silence of the Lambs. It's not the fact that it's like Jodie Foster was perfect too, mm-hmm. along with Anthony along with Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Where the dynamic, it does feel like she's giving this great performance, and then it cuts to him like kind of smirking. And it's like, well, his, yeah, his, he is his role quite is also, doing it justice. Yeah, his role is also, and that's not entirely James Conn's fault. The, the character is mostly reactionary. Yeah. Just by the nature of, of the what the movie is. Like, he's a prisoner, so kind of everything he does has to be a reaction to Annie. Right. He does try to play it, like, you know, when she gets him in the basement, he is scared. He is scared yeah. in the scenes with her. Yeah, there's some, but, but it's an overall tone and you know and it's just it's also it's 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 the it's the other side of the coin of 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 the sort of stunt casting idea behind james Conn. like hey let's get this tough guy and put him in a situation where he can't defend himself the other side of that coin is that the audience is looking at him as the tough guy so it's like they're not really they don't believe he's in trouble yeah because it's like well he's it's he's fucking jimmy Conn. he's gonna he's gonna beat her to death with that typewriter you wait and yeah, sure enough again, <laughs> a part of me yeah that's 
So part of me watching this was like rooting for Annie, but not because, not for any like, oh, fuck that guy or anything, just because Kathy Bates is doing such a good She's job. She's killing it, yeah. It's, it's again, I, the I'm, same I'm, way you root for Hannibal Lecter, where you're like, I just like what they're doing. Right. I don't want to hang wanna, out with them. Yeah. Uh, it's the same, it's the same reason why when you, yeah, when you watch like The Dark Knight, you're kind of just waiting for Heath Ledger to come on screen, because it's like, right. I just, I don't necessarily want the character to win. I just want to see more scenes with them. Yeah, like, exactly. I want to see more. Like, I don't doing... want. I don't want Annie to lose because then that means we don't get any more scenes with Annie. Exactly. It's just she's doing so fucking good. Yeah. Um. But also the sheriff. I I wanted that fuck hungry sheriff. Yeah, man. That, uh, that, involved. that sex wizard. I, I forgot about that. The sheriff. Yep. Like, uh, he's. Uh, yeah. Now, he is a character they created for the movie. Really. Yeah. I think they needed it. No, I think he's they very, did. he's I very necessary because we couldn't. The novel is all from Paul's point of view, but right. we couldn't. That would be very hard to do with the movie. So they wanted to. Uh, you, you needed to create that character to kind of show what the outside world is doing while Paul is trapped, for sure. Right. I'm also looking at the cast and seeing that Rob Reiner played the helicopter pilot. He sure did. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's Rob Reiner as fuck. I'm like, hey, yeah, Meathead, Meathead is flying that <laughs> helicopter. Also, I I miss JT Walsh somehow. Did you? Wait, I must not have. He's wait, the wait. he's the state trooper giving the press conference when they find right. Paul Sheldon's car, and it's he's giving just, the terrible press conference. In that one he's like, scene, that's he the was only... eaten by animals, yeah. and it's like Jesus, man. Yeah, his family's watching. Being a real like, being a real JT Walsh character. Yeah, holy it's, shit! It's so funny that because I think he was a person at the time. So it's yeah. just he's he's uh, as a, a character as a uh, character who doesn't even have a name. One scene, it's like, oh, JT Walsh is here, I guess, and then we never see him again. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking weird. Um, could you cast this today? Like, it's so hard because again, it's like saying, could you cast Psycho today? And obviously, you get Vince Vaughn. Um, mm-hmm. like, how do you how do you cast this character, Annie? I guess they did it. In they Castle did it. Rock. Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan was quite good. That was that was a good choice. Yeah, not that an ob- not choice. an obvious one. I wouldn't have thought of her, but like watching the show, uh, I was yeah. like, "Fuck, she's good. She's killing it." Yeah. What do you think about the? Um, it's like one long joke, the swearing thing, because of course the punchline is that at the end she calls him a cocksucker. Yeah, <laughs> when like, she when she geez. gets when, well, that's one of the one of the ways you can tell when she's in one of her fugues is that she'll start cursing up a blue streak. Does she curse in the the other parts too? Sometimes, but it's, it's, it's most, it really only comes out in the end when she's, yeah. when she's completely flown off the handle. Yeah. Right. It just felt like a very long joke where it's like, she hates swearing. She doesn't swear. And then she whips out mm-hmm. one of the worst swears at him. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think like there, there was, it was, it reminds me of, there's a, a Christian standup comic that I was looking at for research talking about how like it's unfair that they don't have swears because like yeah if you get if you get hurt that you know swear words are kind of the perfect thing for that so it's that's what it's kind of saying is that like everybody swears the idea that anybody would pretend to be above swearing is silly i think that's the idea right it's showing her own hypocrisy to an extent um i also think it's it's a way of showing that she's not present or that she's not herself or that right. who, who who herself it the nature of herself uh changes um you know like she's, she's I would, yeah the implication is almost that that's her true self like she is just it's evil it's hard to tell yeah but yeah that is one way to that is a hundred yeah absolutely one way to read it is that this is this is her mask off but i didn't i didn't take it that way um right because uh, it's because annie is a person who is supposed to be mentally ill so it's I think they're both her real self. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's or or I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I'm wondering. I, yeah, I'm wondering how the movie implied it I'm because not, I think you're hard, right. It's hard to tell. But it's it's a weird. It's actually I'm not. I guess I bring it up because I almost wish they didn't do it. I almost would have liked her calling him a duty head while strangling him. Um, I think that would have been interesting too. But yeah, it I, does say different things. Uh, and I think, because in the movie, I feel like it comes out a little bit more in the story, but in the movie, I, I do think it only comes out in that final scene. I think it's in, in the film, it's more like point of no return signifier. 
right like it's it's like damn everything you know damn the torpedoes or whatever it's like she's yeah, she's yeah. like she's just going going whole hog now right all other considerations are are, are by the wayside yeah um so I, I just saw a little trivia for this, mm-hmm. and I need to point it out. Apparently, James Conn showed up to the set so hungover that the, the entire day of shooting, they had to throw out. <laughs> they couldn't use any of the scenes they shot. Um, and that sounds, that's awful. Apparently, Rob Reiner told him that they lost the film in a lab in the lab like he said there was a problem at the lab so we lost the film james con then learned the truth and he offered to pay for the cost because he probably felt really bad oh yeah i'm glad i'm glad he felt bad that he was so hung over yeah lost a day that's the that's the shaw story from jaws and they, they, he fucked up he <laughs> right. fucked up the indianapolis monologue so bad that they lost like he because he was so hammered uh yeah. uh so he's he's felt so bad that he came back with it with it memorized in the take that you see in the film yeah uh, but it's yeah. very very funny that this was the era where that could happen where i'm sure it still so happens fucked. yeah that's true that's true you just show that's up very true just so fucked up that you just ruin a whole day yeah come what on guys dumb problem come on guys yeah how hard is it to not do that yeah. Yeah, we're paying you a lot of money. We're paying you a lot of money. Now, in, the, yeah. in the case of Jaws, they were like, you know, they were <laughs> they were supplying Shaw with booze. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it feels more like Apocalypse Now where it's like, oh, perfect. Shoot it. Shoot it. it. Was a this might be amazing. Different era movies. Too. Again, different era. Yeah. yeah, it was an era where terrible like, well, things we got, were happening. Yeah, we got Robert Shaw. We better give him whatever he wants. So it's like they would go to his trailer in the morning at six and he, they'd already be bringing him drinks. Right, it's an era where a film set wasn't quite a workplace yet. Like, it wasn't thought of that way. It was, like, more pretentious and, like, we're making art. Where all bets are off, you know? Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna kill some yeah, people with yeah, a helicopter. Did, that, yeah, because that led directly yeah. into the, uh, the auteur, uh, the, the, the self-mythologizing auteur era of filmmaking, where it was just a bunch, right. of, sh- bunch of shitty white people being reckless as fuck. Being awful, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that's just fucking the john days. landis <laughs> oh jesus christ never gonna uh. die <laughs> um gonna have a terrible son <laughs> that's what he's that's what he shouted during sex yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's make a terrible kid <laughs> um any more thoughts on misery no um, it's a it's it's I, such a unique film um because it's definitely not a bad just, movie without kathy bates it's just not essential without kathy bates it's not like a classic yeah. without her in it no she again it, it all rests on her mm-hmm. um they it's really like if they didn't have her they would be fucked yeah it, i mean it would um, just it would just be another movie on the pile of king adaptation she'd be like yeah that was okay you know yeah yeah, uh, no, I think I, would, I think it'd be somewhat lost. I think it would we be. We probably like, wouldn't be doing this episode about it. Yeah, she is so goddamn good. She's amazing. Because and this she, was this was like her breakout role too. Yeah, I don't think she had done much at all before this. Yeah, she was like a theater actress. Um, it's it's wild to think of it in that context too, of her just like showing up on the scene and doing this and immediately getting a fucking Oscar, and it's like yeah. Yeah, that's that's what Incredible. happens. Incredible. It, it's really yeah, she had done she had done like TV and little things like she wasn't unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this clearly, I mean, holy shit! Also, she was in Dick Tracy. I just realized that. No, I didn't know that. I'm seeing here Dick Tracy. Yeah, Kathy Bates has a credit as Miss Green. So okay, <laughs> I don't know what I just learned. I don't know what that means to me. So Dick Tracy and Misery so, came out and so, both have Kathy Bates in them. Yeah. Sometimes people are in more than one movie. I know. I'm just saying 1990. I mean, James Caan is also in Dick Tracy. Oh, you're right. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Everybody's in Dick Tracy. I know, but that's, I don't know. That's weird. Because I feel like those were the two movies that I'd be watching. And they're just like packed, jam-packed with mm-hmm. with your James Conses and your Kathy Bates. Your James is Con. Yeah, uh, and almost your Warren Beatty. And your Warren's Beatty. Warren's Beatty. But yeah, this movie, I think, 
the the fact that you know there are so many big names involved with this movie, like we were saying, it's got Lauren Bacall on it. It's directed by Rob Reiner. It's written by William Goldman. Uh, but we didn't remember any of those things going into this episode. Oh yeah, you remember I mean, Kathy Lauren Bates. Bacall. I would say this is a waste of a Lauren Bacall. I mean, this like, is this I, is. I'm not. I'm not sad to see her. I'm. Gl- it's great seeing her. I think this was I'm a stage of. That. You know, this is a stage of Lauren Bacall's career where she was kind of sprinkling in little cameo supporting appearances. You know, this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is that stage want- of a of a screen legend's career. You want to hear a bummer? <laughs> I just clicked on her name. Her last role ever was an episode of Family Guy. Sure. Yeah. And that killed her. Yeah. That's what did it. The weight of um, that. Yeah. No, no, it, it's great. Again, great seeing her. Great seeing her. Um, but she's Lauren Bacall and she's like, has like two seats. Yeah. Maybe yeah, three. It's, it's, it's fucking, it's Jimmy Stewart voicing that cartoon dog in Five Goes West. You know? It's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 80. Fuck it. Let, let yeah, me let me show be, up. Let me show up for a day. Is she eighty in this? No, I mean she's old. I don't think she's eighty. But she she looked she looked great. She's probably yeah, would have to be in her seventies, right? Wow, she looked banging in this. Yeah, I no, thought. she looked great. Yeah. she's Lauren Bacall. What do you want? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think this movie is low key, like just like hot old people too. Yeah. Uh, that sheriff and his wife, like, mm-hmm. I felt that. I felt that sexual energy mm-hmm. coming off that of that tremble, that sexual tremor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, uh, man. Yeah, uh, I think we said enough about this movie. Mm, yeah, I guess. I guess we did. Yeah, um, we covered it. All right. Well, once again, uh, a big happy birthday to Alexis. I hope this was everything you needed it to be. Yeah. Um. I, I hope that I wish that for you and I hope mm-hmm. you have a fantastic birthday uh, filled with joy and uh, whatever drugs you desire. Yeah. Or no drugs. You don't have to have drugs. You could you could be eight years old for all I know. <laughs> you just really wanted to hear us talk about misery. <laughs> yeah, I'm just guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing here. I know nothing about your life, Alexis. Yeah. Um, except happy birthday. Uh uh what are, what are we doing oh our, our patreon yeah you can go to patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed uh you can find exclusive podcasts on there like tom and jeff watch batman fox Mulder is a maniac uh we have a couple that we do with the small beans that's star trek the next futurama and spiel boys those are all for five dollars a month just five dollars and you get all of those podcasts um for a little more we watch movies with our patrons every friday night we had a Lou Diamond Phillips night, so you know that's exciting. Yeah, um, we may have another uh, one. Who knows? We may have another one. Yeah, yeah who can who can say? Uh, and yeah, there's other tiers. Uh, for example, you know, giving someone a we just watched episode for a birthday gift. So yeah, check check that shit out. We also have a store. Head over to GameFlyUnemployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs so you can get on uh, t-shirts and, and mugs and stickers and posters and stuff. So, you know, check that out. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's, it's fun. <laughs> buying commerce is fun. The art is fun, but yes, paying for it is also fun. I like buying stuff. Yes, yeah, so do fun. I. I like buying things. I like the feeling of having money and then giving it to somebody else. 